Blog Talk Radio. He told me, he said, it ain't going to fix it, but if you can deal with it, it's pretty good. I can Let's take out our red song book. Well, they're, they're both red, aren't they? My wife points that out in there now and then. I'll say, get out your red song book, and they're both red. So get the big red one. Let's turn to number 10. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Let's all stand together and sing. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis the Lord command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wasted it on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Dealt his sinners far and wide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The islands of the sea echo back the ocean cave. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom, when the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph for the tomb, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the wind a mighty voice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nation now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hill and deepest cave. This our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Amen. It's good to be in church this morning. Good to see all of y'all. Glad to have everybody here. Everybody got didn't didn't miss the boat this morning. Thank God for that. Amen. I'm sure everybody everybody just be getting here by now for Sunday school. Had a decent crowd in here. Amen. Thank God for that. And uh, hope everybody's doing well. We got any prayer requests this morning? Okay, going for the final interview for that job. Okay, all right. Remember, pray for your family. Uh, anybody? No.
Turn to 132, 132. My faith looks up to thee.
early calling today. Amen. Number 79. Number 79. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for Christ that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glory in when Christ the mighty. Maker died for man, the creature sin. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. Praise God. Don't want to even think about what my life would be like without Jesus. I know I wouldn't. I really honestly don't think I'd even be alive today, to be honest with you. If it hadn't been for Jesus. But I'm so thankful that he did all the work. He's still doing all the So thankful for my Lord. Just suppose God searched through heaven. He couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was needed. 
life, eternal life for you and me. Oh, had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary. Had it not been for the old rugged cross. Had it not been for a man called Jesus. Then forever my soul would be He was willing to drink his bitter cup. Although he prayed, Father, let it pass from me. And I'm so glad he didn't call heaven's angels. From these hands, pull the nails that torment me. Oh, had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would be Yes, forever, my soul will be long. Praise God, that ain't how it turned out. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. I'll never forget, I probably told you before, but when I was in Bible college, every time I went to Walmart across from the college, I walked in there was a Old black preacher with a door greeting there. He'd shake everybody's hand on the way of the door and say, Thank God for Jesus. Told everybody that when they walked in the door. You, you say, well, I, don't, I can't do much anymore. You sit down there and say, Thank God for Jesus. Okay, amen. You know, there's always something you can do for the Lord, whether you think you can or not. And, uh, amen. All right, let's get into the word this morning. We're going to turn our Bible to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, we are in part 200. I'm going to reach for my glasses. Isn't that weird? I, I, listen, ever since I cut all this hair off the top, I've been trying to comb it. <laughs> About three weeks after I cut my long beard off, I was combing my beard with my fingers. It wasn't there. It's so weird. Most of the memories are weird, but, but anyway, don't pray for me. This all right, Luke 23, we're going to look at verses 38. Verses 43. I've got right now 20 after. And I'm going to do everything I can to get you out of here by noon. I don't think it's going to happen. We may run a few minutes over. So y'all pray for me that God helps me and we'll try to communicate everything in a lot of time necessary. Luke 23, verse 38 through 43. And the Bible says, and a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which was hang, which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, 
saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before your throne this morning. Lord, we ask for a touch from heaven today. Lord, breathe on us with thy spirit. Father, we pray that you you give us the power of your spirit, Lord, that you wake us up. Lord, wake up. As the old song says, awake my heart, stretch every nerve. I want to I want to wake. I want to I want to have my faculties. I want my mind to be alert. Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room, everybody listening, that Lord, everything in us would be as alive as we've ever been and focused on what you have to say, knowing that your word is truth above every other thing in this world. Your word is truth. And Lord, this is the most important uh, series of messages that I've ever come to when we come to the cross of Calvary. Lord God, please help me. I'm weak. I'm just a man. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. You do it through me, Lord. I'm your vessel. I'm your instrument. Give me your power. Breathe on me, Lord. Pour me out. All I see. Lord, I pray, Father, each one that's come to hear the word of God today, that they'd earnestly seek for you to do a work in them, to change them, as the Bible says, from glory unto glory. Help us to see clearly what's before us. We'll give you praise and honor and glory. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Anything in our life, Lord, that might still be hanging around, Lord, we pray that you put your finger on it, Lord, that we recognize it. Lord, in the sins we don't even know we committed, we ask you. Father, we ask you, please fill our lives to meet with us now. Jesus, and for his sake we ask you. Amen. All right. This morning our text is going to come from verses 42 and 43. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I want you to look at verse 42 there. We have in verse 42 the appeal of the sinner. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And in verse 43, we have the answer of the Savior. Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, if you were here last Sunday morning, you, you know I preached on Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we are going through the seven utterances that Jesus made when he was on the cross of Calvary. And, of course, you know, there's lots of aspects of the cross. There's lots of things we can talk about. And I, I may interject a message uh, somewhere around Resurrection Sunday uh, on, you know, kind of taking in the whole scope of it. But we're going to take these, these, these sayings from the cross one by one and examine them and get, squeeze them just like we're trying to wring out a rag, get all the water out of it. We're going to try to get all the truth, all we can, out of these sayings as we come to them. So, like I said, there's, there's seven of them. I'm going to read those seven real quick, and, and we'll get into this. Number one, last week, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This morning, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The third one, he said to, to his mother, woman, behold thy son. And he said to John, son, behold thy mother. Then 
when the darkness fell upon the earth, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then after the darkness, he said, I thirst. He said, It is finished. And lastly, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Well, this morning we're going to look at the second one. Verily I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we're talking about the thief on the cross this morning. I know there were two of them. We're going to talk about both of them, but we're primarily focusing on the one who said, remember me. Many times preachers have preached on this thief on the cross as an example of 11th hour salvation. Getting saved at the last minute. Here was a man that had lived a very, very wicked life. He was being crucified, murdered for being a thief. And moments before his death, he cried out to the Savior and was saved. I've used this example myself in witnessing to an elderly person. I can remember a man vividly in a trailer house in Gladewater, Texas. I can remember him sitting in that dirty recliner. He lived by himself, and there was was a plate sitting next to him with a a pork chop bone in it. I remember it vividly. And... uh, Witnessing to him and him telling me, I, 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 I wanted to be saved earlier in life, but, but I, now I, I just don't think I can. I think I've waited too late. I think I've waited too late. He never did believe, as far as I know, you know, but because he felt like he'd missed his opportunity. But in reality, what happened was he believed Satan's lie that God wouldn't want him because he waited too late. He had a desire to be saved, but he lacked faith. He didn't think God could do it because of him. Amen? Like I said, this is a good example of 11th hour salvation. I mean, if you want to look in the Bible, if somebody say, well, I just, I just think I'm way too, well, you point them to that. But I want you to understand this, too. What it is not is an encouragement to wait too long. Somebody say, well, he's on cross, waited the last moment he died. Hey, I can be like, well, I'll wait a long way. I mean, I remember... I remember a old church Christ fellow that me and Mom know, named Willie Pierce. He was dying, and they rushed him up to the church to baptize him right before he died. Like it got Willie there. I'm sorry, but didn't get him. But it, but like I said, it, it's a it's a good verse to preach on. But there's an old Puritan who once said this. He said, "There is one case recorded in the Scriptures that none need despair." But only one such case that none might present. We're going to look at three things this morning on this subject. We're going to look at, number one, the arrangement of the crosses at Calvary. Number two, we're going to look at the appeal of the sinner. And number three, we're going to look at the answer of the Savior. Let's look at it this morning. Let's look at number one. First of all, I want to look at the arrangement of the crosses, how they were, how, why, why was Jesus in the middle? And let me just say before before I even get into this that there's been a lot, of, probably a lot of commentators who've wrote on this subject, who've wasted a lot of paper and wasted tons of ink. I don't know if they run wasted tons, but they wasted whatever ink they used. And I say they wasted it because there's no sense in discussing it. God arranged it that way. God intended for it to be that way. He intended for Jesus to hang on that center cross. 
On one side of Jesus hangs a wicked thief, spitting and reviling and cursing. And on the other side hangs a thief who cries, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's hanging there between a wicked, dying, lost man and a dying, saved man. But why did Jesus hang on that center cross? Well, first of all, it shows the position that he occupies as our substitute. Let's not forget that. He's hanging there as our substitute. It shows us that the men who crucified Jesus considered him to be the worst criminal dying that day. The angry mob, the jeers and the insults, the spitting and the screaming, they weren't aimed at the thieves hanging on either side of him. It was all aimed at Jesus that day. They believed he was the worst criminal. And what I'm about to say to you, I say with all reverence. But the truth is, he was the greatest criminal. He was the greatest sinner on the hill. Now, he bore no sins at all. He wasn't guilty of anything. He hung on that cross that day. He bore all the sins of the world that day. Every sin that you have ever committed in your life, and I'm sure if we sit here and took some time and meditated and thought, we, we, we'd make ourselves feel pretty bad from the things I don't know about you, and I can't, I, I'm not going to judge you like, on, your, on what I know of you, to what kind of sins you've committed. That ain't nothing about this. But I'm going to tell you about this fellow standing here in his red shirt. He's done some things that he's really regretful and mournful and grateful. In my life, I've made some pretty bad errors. I've committed pretty atrocious sins way back younger. And and they haunt me to this day. I know they're forgiven, but I look back and I think, why not? Every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that I've ever committed, he was buried in his body that day. He, he had on him that day. And not just me. Listen, every sin of everybody that's ever lived in the entire world. Listen, the sins of the serial killer. Charles Manson. I, I mean, listen, he's just the one we bring up because he's, he's the most popular known. But Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy. I could go on and on and on with the horrific serial killers of our time. But Jesus was dying for their sins. He was dying for the sins of the cannibals. He was dying for the sins of the sex traffickers, for the rapists, for the pedophiles, for the crackheads, for the heroin junkies, for the alcoholics, for the wife beater, for the liar, for the cheater. The sins of every disgusting, vile man and woman, boy and girl, was placed on Jesus Christ, and he suffered for every single sin that day on Calvary. So in that sense, in that sense, he was the most guilty of the ones who died that day. And he was the worst because he bore mine. And I'm the worst. Let's pretend for a moment. Let's just pretend something for a moment. Let's pretend that we had a man in our church who surrendered to go to the mission. That he was called to go to the mission. 
and we got behind him and we supported him and loved him and encouraged him and, and helped him and we sent him out and we supported him financially. Let's say we supported this man. Say he went to a foreign country and we supported him faithfully for two years making scraping and pinching pennies to try to help and keep him going on the mission field. And after two years, some of us took a trip and went out to visit him. And when we got there, we found out he wasn't doing the work of a missionary. He was just living on everything we could give him. We got, he got another job, and he's living worldly and not even paying attention, not even serving God, not even not even close to God anymore. That's what we call that, man. Call him a thief, wouldn't we? Well, let's be honest. If we call him a thief, wouldn't we be a thief? Because I'll tell you why. We're thieves because in the sense that God has given us the breath that's in our lungs, the very breath that we breathe, and we've not used it for him like have we? Have we always spoke up for the Lord when we ought to? Have we always been a witness to the Lord every time we ought to be a witness to the Lord? No, we haven't. We've stolen from the Lord. We're thieves just like the one on the cross. God has given us hell. God has given us the ability to work for, work for him, and we've not used it the way that we should. He's given us the ability to make money and to prosper. We've not used it properly for his glory. So in that sense, we're we're all thieves. We've taken advantage of things that we have and we've not used them for God as we should, but we abuse them for our own self and for sin and for Satan. And when we because when we don't use the things that God has given us for him we're using them for the devil. We're not. I mean, you can't just be neutral. So in that sense, everybody in this room is a thief. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that cross should have been my cross. That cross should have been your cross. And in a sense, it was. Because he died in our place. Number two, let me say to you this morning, I want you to look at the appeal of the sinner. A whole lot's been made out of the prayer of the repentant thief. Been a lot of preachers preached on it. But if we examine the text closely, you know what we're going to find? We're going to find that both those thieves are praying. Not much is ever said about the first thief's prayer. But we find it in verse 39. Don't you look there in the Bible. And of the one, and, and one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. You say, that's not a prayer. Yeah, it is a request. What is prayer but asking? Right? Prayer is asking. You say, Lord, I need this. What are you saying? Lord, I'm asking you to give me this. Right? That's what prayer is. And the answer to prayer is getting what you ask for. Man, that's an excellent book John Wright wrote. But it's, 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 it's very simple. And he was asking. He was praying, save thyself and us. If you be the Christ, a thief on the other side is praying, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. One one of the prayers is for self-preservation. Save thyself and us. He's praying, I want to live. But you see, the other prayer is a prayer of self-sacrifice. He's not asking Jesus to get us down off the cross. He's saying, Lord, go ahead and die. Go ahead and die for our sins. Go ahead and die and purchase your kingdom. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember. Remember. 
Now, I want us to understand this verb, remember. Last week, I kind of gave you a little tiny piece of Greek. Well, I'm going to kind of do that. This word, this verb, remember. Lord, remember me. It's in the imperfect tense. It's an aorist, which means it's continual. So he didn't just say it one time, Lord, remember me, and that was it. The whole time he's hanging there, from the moment he began to say, Lord, remember me, he's continually praying, Lord, remember me, remember me. He's continually praying that. The other fellow on the other side, he's continually shouting at Jesus, if you be the Christ, save yourself and I. Constantly. He's hearing these things constantly, over and over and over. He said, if, you, if you're really Christ, if you're really him, there's still time. We're not dead yet. Get us down. Now, understand, that's a familiar temptation. He's faced that. He faced that once before, a long time again. But back three years ago, at the very beginning of ministry, right after he turned the water into wine. Where the Bible say one after that? He went out into the desert and tempted the devil 40 days. What did the devil tell him out there? The devil said, hey, Jesus, you can avoid the cross. You don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. You don't have to go through the pain and the humiliation to be the king of the world. All you got to do is bow down and worship. Have it up. That's what he said. Bow down and worship me and you can have it all. What Jesus said. I'll go to Calvary. I'll bear the punishment for their sin. Do you notice even now with the nails in his hands and the nails to his feet? The devil still hadn't given up. You see, the devil, the devil, he he doesn't give up. He continues on, and he and, and even now he's saying he's saying it's not too late. He's speaking through this other man. You see, he's speaking through this other thief. The devil's using this lost man to shout at Jesus. It's not too late. You can come down from that cross. Don't die on that cross. Using that dying thief as a temptation to try to get Jesus. And on the other hand, the other thief was saying, Go on and die, Jesus. Go on and die. Purchase the kingdom. Die for sins, Jesus. Over and over. Over and over. Jesus heard these words. Over and over as he hung there between heaven and earth. I'm going to tell you something. If this is going on, I believe every saint in heaven looking at this. Their eternity hinged on Christ's death and good Christ had come down from that cross, they wouldn't have done a thing in heaven. See, Abraham, all the, uh, Abraham, Moses, all them Old Testament saints, I mean, they, 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 they're, they're eternity. I mean, they're waiting on Jesus. They've been waiting on Jesus to die a long time. I believe all of them are standing on their tiptoe, waiting on this to happen. And all the heavenly joys. 
Oh, no, is that much thanks for George? I want to note this morning that the appeal of the sinner was a demonstration of conviction. Oh, the thief that got saved, he was definitely under conviction. You see it in his words in verse 40. He said, but the other answering rebuked him. He rebuked the one and told him to come down, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Seeing you're about to die here, you don't even fear God in death? He said, We indeed justly. We're, we're, we're being punished justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. I hey, listen, I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty. I deserve to die on this cross. But this man has done nothing. Oh, he was under conviction. There was a conscious realization and an acknowledgement of his sinful condition. It was clear as a bell to him. And by the way, let me say, if somebody does get saved, there will be that rest, that will that realization. There will be that acknowledgement every time. Nobody gets saved and they don't understand how wicked they are. They don't understand what a sinner they are. You don't get saved if you don't understand that. One don't just get simply saved from hell. Somebody don't just say, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to pray this prayer. That's not how it works. They must be saved from sin. It's sin that sends us to hell. Hell's just the destination. Sin's the curse. The Apostle Paul made this statement years after being born again. Now listen to what he said. 1 Timothy 1.15 This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is years after Paul has been saved that he still has that conviction down in his soul over his sinful condition. He knows he's saved but it still bothers him. He still has conviction over what he used to be. Thank God he's saved. He knows he's covered in the blood. But he still has that conscious realization of how wicked he was. He doesn't forget that. And all of us, are, we still have that depraved, sinful nature in us too. It's supposed to be dead. We're supposed to crucify it daily. But it's still there. It's a constant hindrance. It's a constant detriment to us if we pay any attention to it at all. Amen. We're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're supposed to be looking unto Him and not and not looking at ourselves because it, it, it'll get you down if you if you let, if you pay attention to your flesh. It'll beat you down if we entertain our flesh even for a moment. It'll have its way with us. You say, "Oh, it won't hurt me to do this just one time." Oh yeah. You think sin won't take a hold? It will. It'll latch on. Aren't you glad that everybody around you knows, doesn't know all the thoughts you've had in the past? Thank you. Tell everybody your thoughts all so come to our mind. Sometimes you have thoughts. Where did that come from? I didn't mean to think like that. That's horrible. I wouldn't think like that in a million years. Where did that come from? But we have horrible thoughts in our heads. That's sinful nature. Still in there generating stuff, trying to trying to work and trying to stir things up in us. I have them. Aren't you glad Jesus came to save sinners like me and you? 
Amen. Wash us clean from our sins. Amen. I'm thankful to, thankful to God that he saved me through Christ's blood. Amen. Where would I be without him? I'd be nothing. I'd be lost. Yeah, his, his appeal demonstrated his conviction. Second of all, I want to say that it demonstrated his faith. It was an intelligent faith that this thief on the cross had. It had a basis for being. Remember what he said. He said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Now, I want you to think about this. They had written above Jesus' head in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. This is the king of the Jews. And this thief had been hanging there on the cross looking at that placard. He hadn't been paying, he wasn't paying much attention to it when they first held him up there. Because I want you to understand, the Bible doesn't tell us here in Luke, but over in Matthew, and I'll quote that in just a minute, but over in Matthew, it tells us that in the beginning, both thieves were mocking Jesus. Both of them. Matthew 27, 43 and 44. The, the soldiers were saying this. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And then it says, verse 44, the thieves, plural, also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. So in the beginning, they were both cussing him. They were both screaming. They were both, they were both saying insulting things to him in the beginning. And they both saw him. They, he, he saw them nail Jesus to the cross. He saw him hanging there next to him. He saw the way Jesus was reacting to it. He, he saw the mannerisms of Jesus. He heard Jesus' prayer for forgiveness for those who crucified him. He was looking up at that sign and listening to him and looking at that sign and listening to him. And he thought he began to think in his heart, maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is Jesus. Maybe this is the Son of God. And what did he do? heard Jesus pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what he did? He trusted the word. Same way I got saved. I trusted the word. I believed upon the word of the Lord when it said, Whosoever shall believe upon the, call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that. Amen? I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And you did too if you saved this morning. And by making this one statement, think about this, by making this one statement, he condemned the other thief on the cross and the entire Jewish nation. When he, when he, he said, remember, because he believed against everybody else that ever came against, came against Jesus. He, he turned his back on the whole nation of Israel, the whole people turned his back on the other, on the other guy on the cross. The whole crowd was shouting. It took some courage for him to do this. It was a, it was a very courageous place. The whole crowd said he was a criminal. The whole crowd, everybody, said he was a criminal. They said he's not God. He's weak. He can't even save himself. It took courage to go against everything everybody else said and believed. Many of us don't have the courage of that thief to stand up around to others that are around us and proclaim 
like a frozen river, Arctic River was frozen at the mouth. But if you do, God bless you. And if you don't, you need to. See, we get so, I mean, you think about it. We, we, we hear people cuss. We hear people use dirty language, take God's name for a cuss word. Say anything because we don't want anybody to say anything or think bad about us. We've been affected by a politically correct society around us. We don't want to be singled out. We don't want to be marked, but we don't speak up when we should. That man didn't have a fit of fear. I mean, what were they going to do to him? He was going to die, and you are too, brother. What are they going to do to you? What can they do to you? I said it was a courageous faith. You realize if we're not, if we're afraid to to side with our Lord in everyday life, when things come against the Lord, we're siding with the enemy by default. There's an old saying, if you decide not to choose, you still made a choice. If you choose not to speak up, then you've made a choice. You don't remain neutral in this battle. We're not Switzerland. We can't just be neutral. There's no such thing as a silent witness. Can't be a silent if you have something in you that's worth having, worth sharing, worth telling, worth standing up to. I said he had a, a real faith. He had a courageous faith. He had a humble faith, too. A humble faith. I want you to think about this. The first thing I notice here is, is that he hasn't thought about the Messiah somewhere. He grew up, more than likely, he grew up like every other little, little Jewish child. He grew up going to synagogue. He grew up uh, listening to him read, read from the Torah. He... He knew, he'd heard about the Messiah, and he knew that there was a kingdom to come. They'd been preaching that. They'd been teaching that all through his youth. Like I said, he, he watched Jesus. He read the sign over his head over and over, and now he believes that he is dying next to the Messiah. But notice that he's not asking for deliverance. He knows he's guilty. He's not saying, Lord, let me down. He knows he's supposed to die. He didn't even ask the Lord to bless him. Lord, please ease my suffering as I'm dying. No, he didn't pray nothing like that. He said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. I mean, here's what he's asking. He's just saying, Lord, just someday after you resurrect, and you come back in the glory of your kingdom, and you reign on the throne of the universe, Somewhere out in eternity, Lord, please, just let me be a thought. When you're out there doing all those great things and you're ruling and reigning, well, just someday in eternity. Because when they take my body down from here, nobody's ever going to remember me. They're going to throw me in an unmarked grave if they throw me in a grave at all. And I'll be forgotten in a couple of days. And nobody will ever remember my memory on this earth. Lord, in your celestial kingdom. Just once. Somewhere out in the future, just let the truck your mind. And his faith was accompanied by a confession. He proclaimed himself to be deserving and guilty in Jesus. Somebody say, well, he was never baptized, though. So 
He was never baptized. Well, okay. Not literally. Not literally. But he experienced everything that baptism did. Didn't he? I'm thinking about it. He stopped identifying with the world. He identified himself. Isn't that what baptism is? When we, when, we, when we have somebody in the baptistry after they've gotten saved, I mean, we baptized on her not too long ago, and, and on you not too long ago, and when I dipped her under water, I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Picturing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, saying, I believe, I have believed, I'm expressing publicly what I have believed inwardly. Well, that's exactly what that He couldn't get off that cross and get in water. No, but what he did, he identified himself publicly with his Savior before everybody on a chain. He didn't do it as an act, but he did it with his mouth. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily. Verily means believe me. Of a truth, I say unto thee, today. But he, he wasn't even asking for that. But he had faith. I want to share a few thoughts on this little book. The thing just this this teaches. This teaches salvation by grace through faith. We don't work to get saved. We can't do anything to get saved. And by the way, after we get saved, we don't work to stay saved. The thief didn't do any good work. He couldn't do any good works to get saved. And he couldn't do any good work after he got saved. Wasn't a single thing he could do to add to salvation. Not a thing. He couldn't offer anything before or after. It was fully and completely of the grace of God, the, the loving Almighty grace of God given to a sinner who deserves nothing but death. Isn't that so? Pictures God gives us. Salvation is full and free. Grace nothing else. Another thing that this story teaches is the survival of the soul after death. We were kind of talking about that a little bit the other night. You brought that up on the way out. We were talking about what it's going to be like in heaven. But we will never cease to exist. Understand that. There will never, ever, 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 ever be a time when you will cease to exist. You're going to live on and on and on and on and on forever and ever and ever. Think about this. There was a time when you were not. There will never be a time. There will never be a time when you'll see Stephen. The Bible teaches that, right? I don't care what anybody else says. God says. And also it tells us the destination of the soul that's saved. Jesus said today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. 1 Corinthians 5.8 says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul said in Philippians 1.23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. 
There are only two places that a Christian can ever be. That's in the body or with the Lord. That's the only two places you could ever be. In your body or with the Lord. Let me share a little story with you real quick before. A little old lady was flying on a plane to Denver, Colorado to visit her daughter. And on the way there, the plane got in some, into a really, really bad thunderstorm and some terrible turbulence. And I mean, everybody's jostling around and shaking and the plane's doing this and that. And they're getting scared. Everybody on the plane's terrified. And they're all thinking the plane's going to crash and they're all going to die. And everybody's frantic except that little old lady sitting in her seat. She's just sitting there humming peacefully. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And eventually the plane got through the turbulence and smoothed out, and they landed in Denver, and everybody is getting off the plane and moving down the aisle, and one lady stopped there at the little old lady's seat as she was getting her bag, and she said, Ma'am, she said, back there when everything was so scary, she said, I couldn't help but notice you. Everybody else on this plane was terrified. And there you sat, so calm, so serene, just humming a little song. Amazing. How were you able to do that? He said, well, I have two daughters. One I'm flying to see in Denver today. And the other one, she passed away a few years ago when she's now with the Lord. He said, you know, I was just sitting here wondering to myself which one of them I was going to see today. When you know where you're going. Another thing I see here is the longing of the place. The longing of the sister. What's this longing? That's what the Savior longs for. It's to be with you. Understand that. He loves you. He loved that thief on the cross. He had nothing to offer you. His whole life has been a life. He loves you. Today, thou shalt be with me. You see, the emphasis here is not getting out of pain. It wasn't today. You won't hurt like this anymore. It wasn't today. We're going to go and you're going to see things you've never seen before. It'll be amazing. You see, a lot of people they they don't they don't they they, they look at this life and say, oh, so many hurts and so many aches and pains. I'll be so glad to get out of here. Or I'll, I'll be so glad this old world's so vile and filthy. I'll be glad to get up there and see all the streets of gold and the, the walls of, of, of jasper and all the different uh, stones and the 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 the, the, the uh, emerald rainbow around the throne of God and see all the sea of glass. I, I just can't wait to get there. Some say, oh, I can't wait to get home and see my mama and my daddy and my grandparents. And all. It's not about that. That would be wonderful. But going to heaven is not about that. Getting to be with Jesus. That's what it's all about. Hear what I'm saying this morning. 
If you if you planning to go to heaven for any other reason than to be with Jesus, I don't. I think I checked my salvation. There's a reason. He saved me. He shed his blood for me. He gave his all for me. I love him. I want to be with my Savior. Do you love him? Do you long to be with Jesus? I'm going to say that again. Do you long to be with Jesus? Again, Paul didn't say, I have a desire to get out of here and not get any more of these beatings that I've had. I've had five of them. They were terrible. Ripped the skin off of me. He didn't say, Lord, I have a desire to get out of here and get away from all these horrible people that imprisoned me, that whipped me, that stoned me, dragged me out of the city and leave me on the side of the road for dead. Lord, these people are horrible. Get me out of the way from them. Again, it's Philippians 123. You see, I am in a straight twitch to having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. John fourteen three, Jesus said these words, he said, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there. Are you longing to be with him? First Thessalonians four sixteen says this. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Get away from this old nasty world. No. Then we we are, which are alive. Remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's all to be with Jesus, you understand? It's all to be with Jesus. That's what it's all for. Let me say lastly, he had a ready. Jesus was died. Cruel and a horrible death. In agonizing death had its hands around his throat and he stopped dying long enough. He said, Hang on, death. You got to stop for a minute. Take your hands off of me. There's a sinner crying out. He had nothing to offer. Just a wicked old sinner repenting. Dying feet, rejoice to see that fountain today. And there may I go violently watch off this. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood that ran down his down his body and Father, that fountain is still fresh and still flowing and still forgiveness. And always will be until the end of the world. Father, we thank you.
Father, I thank you for Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my Lord, if there's somebody on the sound of my voice to realize it. I was afraid of hell. I haven't thought about my sin. Really? I pray that they consider, am I truly saved? Did I really get born again? Did I really get saved from sin? Lord, I pray. Some sinner out there, maybe they're listening to us over the airwaves. Don't know where they are. Father, you know. Pray the message get to them. I pray the message be received. I pray that sinners be saved. Lord, maybe we just hadn't appreciated Jesus the way we ought to. Maybe we just hadn't been as grateful as we ought to have. Maybe we haven't been the faithful witness we ought to have been. Maybe we haven't stood against the world like we should. Oh, Lord God, help us. Do your work during this invitation, Father. Lord, it's not just for people to get saved. It's for the, for the saved. Lord, to renew something down deep in them, a, a commitment to you to serve and be faithful. Lord, we know someday you're going to take us home. We're going to get to be Thank you. Thank you. Bless this invitation in Christ's name. Number 61, the haven of rest. My soul in sad exile was out of life sea, so burdened with sin and distress. Then I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice, and I entered the haven of rest. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy sea. Jesus, I'm safe evermore. Let's sing the third. The song of my soul, since the Lord made me whole, has been the old story so blessed of Jesus who saves whosoever will have a home in the haven. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas so bold. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. I trust that you'll be back this evening. hope you can. Six o'clock. Evening service. We'll be back in our study on how not to collapse. Everything else is collapsing around. I hope you're here study in second Timothy. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Still the Lord. Amen. There's not a there's not a blank I mean there's not a mark on the slate of from here on. That's the dirty 
all clean. Is there any word from anybody before we dismiss this point? Anything? It's been good to be with you. It's been good to be in church this morning. Pray the Lord bless you with that. Get a chance to speak the word from the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Be dismissed. Grant dismissal.